thanks a lot for uh, listening again to the Ambitious Slot podcast. And today I'm really, really excited and proud that Dennis Quadrimus is on my podcast. And just a briefly introduction to him. He's a consultant and coach for businesses, which goes more in the direction of mindfulness and productivity and helps them to have a better uh, work experience. And with that also increase their ability of business pro success basically and we met each other uh, both on linkedin uh, where he connected with me and was really um, looking forward to be actually on the podcast so i'm even more excited and proud to um, have him on my podcast today thank you Jeff. julian it's a delight to be here with you and thanks for that invitation yeah i'm really really excited thank you for giving me the opportunity i'm i'm basically start with the first question already which should explain a bit more on what you actually do and maybe a bit simpler uh, ways. So if a 94-year-old grandma would ask you what you are doing and what, uh, what would you say so that she can easily understand you and knows what you do? Well, that's a brilliant question, and I want to answer that. But first, I have to commend you on pronouncing my name correctly. I can't get Americans to pronounce my last name correctly, but you did on the first try. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm always amazed when someone can do that when they haven't been told how to pronounce it, so well done. I was actually thinking beforehand uh, how to pronounce it. I just, like, tried it. That was perfect. That was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always a surprise to me when that happens. <laughs> well, let's go to that 94-year-old grandmother, and this is very interesting uh, because for a few different reasons. One reason, it is of great interest to me that this came up because my wife, who also were in business together, she literally was meeting with a 96-year-old grandmother the other day teaching her about mindfulness and meditation. It's, it's unbelievable, right? So we haven't truly had someone that elderly before so she said the woman was quite open to it. And so, I mean, starting off, let me just say it's never too late to, to learn some new things to improve the quality and, and maybe the, the, the quantity of your life. Yeah. So if I, if I was saying what I do and I was sitting with a 94-year-old grandmother, I'd probably say, well, what I essentially do is work with organizations that includes executives and employees and then I also work with other people in private practice from all sectors, all kind of uh, areas of, of life, including a, a great deal of cancer patients. And what I, what I do with all of these people is basically a similar thread, and that is around a concept called mindful performance. And that's just meaning that I help teach them ideas and practices and techniques to be able to perform more mindfully, to be in the present moment and to be able to utilize their power uh, to more skillfully uh, perform their tasks. Now, those tasks can be, yes, they can be certainly in, uh, in the work setting, but beyond that, in their personal lives, because we're all in relationships, right? If, if you think about it, you know, life is about a lot of relationships, and how can you perform uh, more mindfully? more mindfully. Well, what gets in the way a lot of times, Julian, as you probably know and have seen, is stress. Stress gets in the way. 
And so what happens is that ends up hijacking sort of like your best laid plans. And so, you know, when people get stressed out, they, they reach for sort of like these tried and true things, you know, some things that work and then some many that don't work very well. They work in the short run. Um, but we try to give them techniques and ideas that will be more positive and lasting so that they feel better. And the reason that we want them to feel better personally is because when you feel better, you perform better. You know, it only makes sense if you think about it, right? So that, I think that would be probably what I would, would say is probably a long answer for grandmother, but uh, that would be the idea. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So as I also understand your, your short firm is basically you're trying to help people to have a better and um, on the on the emotional side, a better life so that they can perform better in their work life, right? Yes, yes, correct. Um, you know, it's, it's breaking, you know, maybe some, some what we call uh, in my most unskillful thought patterns or unskillful habits, you know, so much is habitual that we do. And it's, it's really sort of about waking up to, you know, what you can do and not what your failures have been or your, you know, fears of what could happen and all of that, but just really being present. That's just such an essential thing. Wow. Okay. Um, then, then for me, really um, interesting personally is, um, especially because I think I'm quite new to the to the topic of motivation and mindfulness, is how did you get um, basically the earliest contact with this topic in general? And what, yeah, maybe later on, when did you take the path to actually pursue it? Well, this, this is really uh, another great question because I was fortunate to begin young. However, I must tell you that I'm the oldest of 10 kids. Now, can you imagine 10 kids? You know, part of me wanted to say to my parents, now, y'all, you guys know where this is coming from, how this is happening, right? <laughs> what is it with you people and kids, right? <laughs> Seriously, uh, there, and there were some great things and all of that, but I'll tell you something. One thing that it wasn't was calm. It was not calm. And oh, so maybe in the oldest, you're right, you can imagine, like, have you ever been around 10 kids in a room for, like, five minutes? <laughs> so... I was in this environment for a long time, right? Well, that said, um, I I was a very uh, anxious uh, sort of uh, hyper uh, child growing up. And yet I was in this role of the oldest child. And I had a, I had a tough time with it, to be really frank with you. And when I got to be 17, I was in an, in an all-boys school, uh, high school here uh, in the States. And I was really fortunate because I was given a gift, and that was when this particular English uh, teacher that we had took an interest in me and several other uh, guys that were in the class. Uh, and he said, you know, I had something called transcendental meditation that I think you would be interested in. And indeed, we, we ended up being fortunate enough to pursue it. And with that, you know, you meditate twice a day. Well, that helped me, Julian, to, to like, you know, silence all the uh, internal noise, but also even acquire some of the external noise that I was honestly constantly uh, in the middle of. And that helped me then 
you know, to receive this and to alter. And it's been with me, honestly, all of my life, ever since. I've practiced it ever since. And then I've been able to, you know, again, fortunately, be able to share that with other people uh, in, in a way that they can they can take it in, meaning that, you know, you don't have to go sit in a cave somewhere to meditate. You, you can do all kinds of things to be more present. And um, I've been able to, to see how that could help them. And, and, and like I said, even earlier cancer patients, they really take to it as well. So that, 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 those would be the earlier routes. And then, and then I get specific uh, training. And one of, the, uh, one of our main teachers is Thich Nhat Hanh, who's uh, you know, a famous uh, Vietnamese monk, um, who's just done just a lot of good in the world, very, very peaceful man. And he, he and his, um, his other teachers have really uh, uh, modeled, you know, what it's like to live and move in a world that isn't always so peaceful, you know, but how you can bring that, that spirit forth. And then you can bring that spirit forth in an organization that's a little chaotic or, or a little dysfunctional. So, yeah, th- these are like the early roots and how it started into it. Okay, so you got basically quite early exposed already to, um, with mentors or people who showed you how to do it in um, transcendental uh, meditation and also other forms of it, right? Correct, correct. And um, then you, um, out of what reason did you then try to put this, what you learned from meditation and mindfulness back into organizations? How did that transition go and, and why? Yeah, that's a good question. And see, part of my personality is, um, in, in just how I was formed, perhaps how I came into the world, I'm more of um, like a helper, caregiver type person. Uh, and meaning that I found myself in, in jobs that in, in the very beginning were like literally sort of like rescuing type jobs. But then later on, I, I saw the value that it could have in a must confess particularly to males uh, because as males, you know, culturally a lot of times, even still with the advances we've made, there's still this notion that, you know, we can handle our problems ourselves. We don't need any help. It doesn't. May, may I ask what kind kind of jobs you had beforehand? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I, I did things like, well, originally I started off very, very briefly doing EMT work, so emergency services work. Uh, that didn't last very long at all, although it was great exposure, and I remember a lot of it so many years later. Um, but before that, even in high school, I worked, like, in nursing homes. I did, like, uh, you know, like, help with physical therapy and just different things like that. And then, you know, later, um, you know, when I got my master's, I uh, did I worked in treatment centers, I worked in hospitals, uh, either with like drug addiction or then later adult uh, psychiatric patients. And so this this uh, was all fertile ground for me to develop ways to work these ideas in no matter who the client was, you know, whether they were older, whether they were, you know, they were a grandmother or, or, or a younger person or a cancer patient. So you were quite um, exposed to extreme situations in those emergency cases. Um, and yeah. due to that, I guess, learned your, your skills, right? 
Yeah, very intense and, and very um, honestly scary things where, you know, I felt like I was quickly meeting my own edge. And I can see how, you know, people in, in those fields, emergency services, first responders, things like that, you know, they, they really, uh, even if they seem like indifferent at times, they're, they're really taking a, a bodily and a mental hit when they're doing all of these things. And so I remembered that. And I, and I remembered, you know, people that I worked with in nursing homes and, and then as I went through these treatment centers, you know, I, I saw uh, other counselors and people who were effective in what they did. And I was curious what made them that way. I was pretty curious. But then I saw others who really weren't that effective. They, and, and honestly, it was because they were, you know, very unskillful in the way they thought of things and the way that they approached things. So, so then, I, you know, as, as I moved through, I became a uh, employee assistance professional, and I ended up um, managing um, an uh, employee assistance program for a large organization. I did it for many, many years. And with that, I would do, I would go into, you know, it would be like a, has been called a critical incident situation, like a, a train derailment or police shooting or things like this. And I would actually help uh, who my client was there process it. So what worked, what didn't work with that, you know, I would do things like coach people, counsel them with employee issues. And, and then I would have the have private, uh, and a little private, yes, but almost secretive, audiences with executives that, you know, they didn't want anybody to see us interacting. I yeah. think that they really wanted that help. And then I quickly learned again, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's a, another common thread. What work with doesn't work with with people. And so that's that's how I, I think I, I was able to kind of generate this idea, you know, along with my wife and partner as well, you know, the idea of like mindful performance. What, what does that look like for a person? That's, does, that's, that, does that make sense? Yeah, for, for me it does, at least. I think so. Um, and you also said you, you're working closely together with your wife, right? I am. We actually are partners at Atlanta Center for Mindfulness and Wellbeing. And uh, she's a licensed psychotherapist. I'm a clinically trained counselor. We both are uh, certified coaches. And it turns out that I have to add this too, Julian, that we're both... Um, uh, registered yoga teachers. And the reason that I'm saying that, to be really frank with you, although I had done some yoga before my life, my wife, many years ago, she said, well, I think it would be a really good idea if we started practicing yoga. I was like, okay. And she said, well, I want to start going to these classes. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so a uh, bit reluctant, right? So I go to these classes, I'm like, yeah. Okay, whatever, you know. Yeah, especially as a male, like, going to yoga classes, like... Correct. thing, woman's oh, thing, like... Wow. Perfect, perfect. And so it would be me, uh, me, and, I, and I'm not making this up, me and, like, 14 women, all who were in pristine condition, right? <laughs> you know, they, like, they put their ankles behind their head and stuff. <laughs> and here I am, a, a relatively stiff male doing this, and... So, you know, I would leave the class. I'd like, oh, I don't see the point of this. And blah, blah, blah. I'd rather go run, you know, a long way or whatever. 
Yeah. But then, but then it helped me start to work with parts of my personality, right? The, the impatient part or the uh, uh, overly ambitious part to kind of keep centered a little bit better. And, and you know, and I noticed that. And then later, my wife says, honey, which is always a, a word we should watch out for as males, right? Honey, I think uh, you would be a great yoga teacher. This was my response. There is no way I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I mean, that I'm sure of, but now I am a yoga teacher. So you can imagine the evolution that happened. I think you should come to this training, right? So, but, but seriously, pulling that all into it, you know, I have been able to, to, to use that. And so, you know, sometimes she and I will see couples together. Uh, we often will uh, go into organizations or do a keynote together, just like when we did, I mentioned earlier to you, before we got started, we did a TEDx talk together. Yeah. And, but sometimes we do, we do a lot of things separate too, but we can also jointly, um, you know, use our skills. Cause I mean, obviously we're different people, you know, I believe complementary, but we're different. Right. Yeah. And what is then um, maybe your special skill? What um, kind of distinguishes you from some other people in this field? What would you say is like your personal main skill you have? You know, I've, I've reflected on that and I've, I've been amazed because what I'm going to tell you is not something that I really thought was something germane to me. And, and that is that people often say, wow, you're a very good listener and you're very patient. And I'm, when they're saying that, Julian, I'm like, you're talking about me, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, 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 you know, over time it's like, okay, I, I have, uh, uh ruined that skill perhaps that, I, you know, I can, I did listen, I think well, and, um, in, in remaining calm and trying to, you know, even if somebody's like really stressed out or they're, sobbing about something I, I can be calm and I think reassuring I think that people really need a lot of encouragement because the, the human mind is in many ways bent to the negative so we'll go to all these negative thoughts first and you know not you know being good enough and all of this sort of junk that uh, we all have as as humans in our head and so people I, I found already feel like they've been kicked around enough, particularly in their own thoughts and in their own minds. So one thing that I bring to it is encouraging them. So, so I may have to encourage them in a firm way. Yes. But at the same time, I can be, uh, I, I think maybe uplifting to them, find what's, what is something about them that is unique, and resources that they already have within them and how to lift that up, how to accentuate that, if you will. So, so how, how can you, because that's, I think, really, really difficult to do, um, to encourage people maybe at first to really realize what, they, what skills they have, but then actually to um, yeah, let them, themselves pursue it or see themselves that this is a positive skill. Um, just like the process, because I think that's that's really really important, um, especially f I think for all listeners. Like, how do you get past those 
thoughts and how do you maybe encourage yourself even to see your skills as valuable and um, get them or yeah improve them right good good point good question it's interesting because again the human mind just leans to the negative even upon awakening and it's thought that it's an evolutionary thing in other words if we worry about things enough or we we plan for the negative it's like a way to survive and to anticipate you know being extinguished or hurt or whatever and but nevertheless it really is a, a problem that people's thinking and the way they're viewing things causes behavior which then gives particular results right so Oftentimes, I will start with people with the results that they're getting. So, you know, whether it's in a class or a, a seminar I'm doing or an individual person, I'm going to start with the results of what they're getting so that, you know, I'm not, I'm not making any, anything up. I'm not uh, kind of talking about something that some ethereal concept. I'm talking about what they are saying. And then backing it into their behaviors or, you know, how, how is that happening? How have you gotten to this place? And therefore sort of starting getting into the idea of like devil's advocate. Why, why shouldn't you continue just this way? And they seem look at me as if that's a preposterous question. And I, because I want them to say that they are suffering you know, not so much a result of this external thing, but the way that they're processing it and moreover, how they're responding to it. So if I can get in there, Julian, and, and show them this, then I can say, oh, right. So we got to really look at a whole other way of thinking. We don't need to revamp your personality. You don't need to change into another person. You need to be you, but let's see how we can sort of to uh, curb these unskillful behaviors and build skillful behaviors. So as a, for instance, someone who is, you know, a type A personality, they have that hurry sickness, they're always uh, like workaholism and try to do things as quickly as they can and multitask, spinning all these plates around and all. It's very addictive, right? It's very addictive. But, you know, being able to show people that that doesn't really work. So we, we really got to uh, go counterintuitive and slow down and create, you know, a bigger gap between, you know, all the stimulation and the stress you're feeling so that you can breathe in the space. I, I mean, I, and I mean literally breathe um, because we find, I find, that people are increasingly approaching the world a little bit like this. <sighs> so they may literally be holding their breath or they're breathing shallowly into the chest, you know, almost hyperventilating. And just the attention to the breath sometimes and techniques around that can get people to shift. Or I can help them to learn like a very brief meditation. I'll just say like, we're, we're not... Um, Close our eyes for like two or three minutes. I, I'm going to do this with you. And I'll just say like, put your hands like this, sit up straight, both feet on the floor, and I'll take them through like a two or three minute meditation. They'll come out of that, and they've been exposed to it. They get a taste, and I'll just say like, how is your body feeling? So, you know, many of them say like, eh, not bad, or they might say, good, 
I feel more relaxed. And I'll say, but what, yes, and what about your mind? And so like, yeah, it just seems like it's just more settled down. I'll say, right, right. So if you practice more of this, you'll get more of that. And if you have a clear mind and your body flow relaxed, what, what do you think will happen? See, so, so that's yeah. sort of a, a bit of the building process. So basically that it also uh, helps over long term if you practice this more and more um, uh, in the, I don't know, morning or evening, that it helps you throughout the whole day. Is that what, what, you, what you're saying with like practicing more? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because there have been recent studies that show that the most successful executives in the world have a positive morning ritual, a positive yeah. morning ritual. Now that, so you think about, let's take the average person, uh, they wake up in the morning and they may go to the bathroom, they may, you know, take some thyroid meditation or something. But after that, what do you think the main thing that people will do at that point? Pick up their cell phone. Now, the cell phone is a really great thing. I have one. So in full transparency, I have one myself. It's a great blessing. <laughs> what happens, right, right? The yeah. first thing in the morning, though, you get on this thing, right? Like, okay, let's see uh, anybody message of, uh, you know, my sister called. I wonder what that's about and uh, uh, what's happening on the news, etc. Oh, my gosh. I'm on Facebook. What happened? I wish I could go on that kind of vacation. Like, in other words, you overstimulate your mind coming right out of, you know, basically unconsciousness and begin filling it with a lot of mental chatter. Well, these executives have found, and I've certainly found personally, that if you just you wait on this, you, you know, you wait 30 minutes, an hour, and go ahead over here, have your cup of tea, your coffee, whatever, um, you know, sit by a window and, and just be still and meditate or do some other positive practices like gratitude, like you speak out loud or you write down five things that you're grateful for today. These kind of things, you, you cultivate that clarity uh, before you start your, or as you're beginning your day. Because most people, you never really hear anybody say, I need my life to become more hectic, more stressful, right? I haven't never heard no. that before. <laughs> right? We, we all want... Seemingly, we all want more calm and more clarity, right? Like you wouldn't think somebody would be like, I need my mind to be just more jumbled up. I need to be more wound up. No, we want to be calm. We want to be clear. But unfortunately, we may be unwittingly, unwittingly, innocently, sabotaging ourselves. So if you build in that morning meditation, and if you can do a second, oh my gosh, you see a profound difference. Uh, in, in how you experience people, your day, just your life. Yeah. I think that really, really little people know that. And um, it seems that um, it, also the benefits are maybe kind of known, but not really clear or maybe not um, as uh, convincing enough. Um, so maybe can can you share some of your experience, what you had with it, or what it has done for you? Um, yeah. I don't know. You you practice practice also every day, like morning routines or anything like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. No, that's great. There's um, 
there's one, and so I can, a few things here. One is that if we start with the, with the negative about what happens when you don't do this, you know, and that is this, when you're stressed out, your mind becomes hijacked. And here's what I mean about that specifically, is that there's a structure in the brain called the amygdala, the fear center of seat of emotions. And what happens is when you, when, when you're stressed out, you're really scared, that gets triggered and it activates. Now, when that activates, what happens is it literally takes over the functioning of the uh, left prefrontal cortex. Now, that prefrontal cortex is responsible for learning, or excuse me, is responsible for organizing, planning, processing, you know, what we would, what we would call thinking. Also affected is the hippocampus, which is responsible for learning and memory. So what that means is when you are constantly stressed out and anxious and scared, you can't think straight. Literally, you can't think straight. And you don't remember because what happens is the hippocampus, that learning um, uh, storage place in the brain, shrinks. They just you can't bring up, what was, what was I supposed to do? What was the past name? But when you do these other practices, what you do is you, you reset all of that so that the amygdala isn't hijacking the left prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, the hippocampus is saying where it needs to stay. So moving forward with that idea is that when you practice this over and over again, you're interrupting that, but guess what else you're interrupting? You're interrupting all this cortisol, one of the of stress hormones in the body, which we, let's be clear, we need, we do need some cortisol, but we don't need the levels that most people experience because cortisol is, is, is indicted with, uh, with disease and inflammation. And so what happens is as you begin to practice mindfulness, you perform mindfully and be in the present moment, do some meditation and some other practices. You, you lower that stress response in the brain and there's not this signal to keep pumping all this cortisol and adrenaline and other uh, neurotransmitters through the body because there really isn't a war going on. You're just, you're just mad at your brother. You're just upset with what the company's doing, but you're calm within. You're, uh, I mean, you're going to do something bad. You may not like it, but you're not seeming like you're in a, in a huge life or death battle. And your body responds to that. Your body goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's lowering inflammation, which is preventing or assisting with disease reduction. You know, it's, it's lowering symptoms like around anxiety, depression. It's helping you sleep better, helping your blood pressure be more normal. And it's helping you just focus and, and be appreciative of what's in the present moment. I, I, that's a little bit of a, honestly, that's a little bit of a short answer as to what some of the benefits are. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense with your question? Yeah, so maybe also what, what I experience um, as this, not as a benefit, but as a negative part of not doing it is uh, when I, for example, um, not um, have like a certain time when I have to wake up and do some sort of um, morning routine. So it doesn't, ma doesn't matter whether it is I'm writing anything down or it's meditation or um, just like the normal routine of get, taking a shower and just like really basic. 
if I'm not doing this, I feel throughout the whole day less productive and less willpower and just like a bit more not really depressed. That's maybe like a too hard word, but not as uplifted as I, I am with uh, when I do the morning routines or any kind of it. So even with like a really small routine um, in the morning, it helps me through the whole day that I um, really, really kind of enjoy it more, but also see that um, I can do a lot more. I'm more active. I enjoy it just more. And not even considering the part that I'm thinking more clearly maybe or that I'm way more productive. Just like really the basic things um, that I enjoy more. And I think this this smaller part is already like such a huge advantage over um, when I would, for example, now as a student, you have quite often the possibility to sleep in or, I don't know, to, uh, to do different things to interrupt your normal daily schedule. And when I do this, I... I'm every single time I, I, f I feel bad about myself because I was too stupid to actually do it again and then felt throughout the whole day a bit um, less, less productive, less good. Um, so then for yeah. the next day, I always again, next time you've got to do it again. And that's yeah. way better. Um, no, that's brilliant. It, it's, it's great that you've made that connection and moreover that you are willing to adjust because some people won't adjust. I mean, they know their, their suffering is familiar, and at least it's like, well, this is my suffering, and I'm familiar with it, and yeah. if I change, what would that mean? But you see, you saw Kepsine quickly that when you don't have that morning routine that really centers and calms you and gives you a good outlook for the day, you just feel off for the rest of the day. I mean, you might do fine, but right, is that about right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also see that, um, that that's kind of normal already. So many people have that. And so it's if other people complain about it, they feel almost they belong to the others because they also have the problem and maybe don't see uh, the possibility or need to change it because it seems normal. So that's yeah. maybe another thing that you don't even feel um, able or capable to change it because it seems to be a normal thing that you just feel um, not really productive or happy throughout the whole whole day. And so that's that might be a reason why people don't even try to change that because they don't see uh, the possibility to do so. Right. And, and, and I think they can then, with a, not seeing the possibility to do so, that people go into hopelessness and, and disillusionment. And it has reminded me that in organizations, there's at least here in the states, it shows that you know 75% of employees are, are very uh, feel very stressed out personally and professionally. So it's not like they have a haven one way or another. Three out of four, and one in twelve have seriously considered suicide as an option. One out of twelve. So if you think about in your world, and, and for the listener, if you just think about twelve people in your world there's a chance somebody's been considering that. Maybe actively, maybe not. But it just says that the weight of um, and stress of things that you go through can be enormous where people, and I've seen it, sadly, in, in my practice with people, they, they just get back in the corner, corner. They don't see any other way out. And, um, you know, some people take that, that, uh, that road because that's just their they feel forced to that point. So 
we sure want to get in way before that and do early intervention yeah. and do like you're doing where, you know, like you're just, you're tweaking, you know, like for you, you see, okay, I did this misstep yesterday, but today now, today's a new day. I'm going to do, you know, my routine, right? Yeah, exactly. So whenever at least uh, you see that this made a difference, then obviously I want to next time do it better. And um, that's obviously you need at first to be mindful of that and see, okay, you can change those two things um, and have the possibility to change your mood throughout the whole day. But the other thing is then to actually do it because it, it seems a bit more effort to, okay, why should I now wake up at seven or eight in the morning if I don't even have to do anything? And maybe to, to get also the switch there, like, because it helped me to, to have a better life, a better day through um, the next 20 hours. But I think that connection doesn't seem really logically in the beginning. Right. That's right. I mean, it, it just like people can easily talk themselves out of it, like you're indicating where it's like, well, I mean, I could sleep another half hour. Why should I get up if I'm just going to be still? What's that really going to do, right? Exactly. I'm trying to teach people it's, that, you know. small... To, uh, yeah. devil in your hands like what well, yes. doesn't, doesn't really matter why should you do it um but it does it does and obviously no nobody can like always win against the small devil but it definitely helps to try to fight it and every every day again like no today i'm not going to listen to you next yeah. day another fight comes up brilliant brilliant i know and in the that egoic part of ourselves that that fear-based self is just like, it can be really uh, persistent. And and I think one thing, Julian, about that you're indicating is that, you know, it's, it's um, counterintuitive to do some of these things. You see it, um, and, and I've seen it, well, I've seen it with women too, but I've seen it particularly with males. It's like, now let me get this straight. You want me to stop and not do anything for like 15 to 20 minutes twice a day, what's that going to do? In other words, we're, we're so oriented towards doing and achieving and moving and all of these things. It's like, how is that, how is uh, stopping and staying stopped for a bit of time? What's that going to improve? So you really do. You have to go counterintuitive. Like, I'm going to get up just a little bit earlier to practice this because meditating and sleeping are not the same thing yeah, or, or just experiencing heck even if they don't even meditate just um, being still and being quiet with a cup of tea or coffee for you know 10 minutes or something would, would be you know a nice start uh, but you know again that that idea of mindfulness and mindful performance is that you're in the present moment in a state of non-judgment and acceptance. Now, when I'm saying that, people resist that. People are like, no, I don't accept this at all. I don't accept. Yeah. I'm sitting on this plane that's not taking off. I'm uh, in this training, and I hate, you know, that I'm in here or whatever. I don't accept this at all. But the, but the notion is that if you just accept the moment, you are... Um, Ending the fight, the internal fire, the internal fight with yourself. Yes, you don't like this. I totally understand that. Like we could use the example even of, of, of traffic, 
right? So, you know, here in the States, it's a, it's a problem, any major city, but people get so curious about traffic. And, and I don't exactly love it, but the idea is that your, your chronic stressors and your way of reacting to them have probably been happening for a while. Am I right? Like, in other words, this didn't begin two days ago. How long have you been mad, for example, about traffic? 15 years, 20, okay, I understand that. I understand why you're frustrated. You're sick of it, you're tired of it. You wish it was different, all of these things. But if you are reacting the same way over and over again, it's like you're drinking the poison and expecting it to hurt someone else. You have the poison within you. That's a good right? thing, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, right? So. There's no shock about the congestion and the volume, but, you know, construction, uh, you know, delays, uh, you know, other drivers. Here's the deal. You've done this for like 15 years, I understand. But what if you employed a new response? But Dennis, you don't understand. I've done this for 15 No, I understand. I, yeah, I understand. Bad news is that it's a habit. But the good news is that it's a habit. So you can begin right now. Today is a new day. This is a new moment right here. We all have self-efficacy. We all have uh, self-determination, right? So we can, like, we can choose something now. So let's say that one of your viewers is like, you know, really angry about a situation or whatever. It's understandable. But at the same time, to look at, Try to look at it from another point of view because what you focus on expands or what you uh, put attention on gives it a different meaning. So let me just do this with you real quick. There's a, there's a sentence I'm going to say, and it'll sound like, Julian, that I've lost my mind temporarily, which I've been accused of that, okay. uh, but, uh, but enough about family. Uh, uh, but I'm going to give you a sentence to make a, to make a point. And then I'm going to say that sentence quickly seven different ways, okay? I never said he stole my car. Now, second one. I never, I never said he stole my car. 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 So seven different ways of saying that sentence. Now you could do this with anything, basically. Yeah. The idea is where you put the emphasis gives a different result, right? So yeah. if, I'm, if I'm emphasizing, you know, uh, I don't know, this boss needs to act right, or uh, this person I've been around forever or grew up with or whatever, they, they just keep acting the same way. Oh, but I'm sitting there in the middle of a, a family of a gathering or in the middle of a corporate meeting. I see that I'm sitting here holding my breath or I'm thinking resentful thoughts. I can interrupt that. I can slow my breath down, breathe in through my nose, fill up my belly gently and let it out. Just doing that a few times. Or I can, you know, just uh, turn the attention to uh, what I'm grateful for. Or I can cultivate you know, a notion of 
you know, what this person was like as a child or, you know, I could send them good wishes, I could pray for them, I could, you know, you know in other words, with your mind, you always have a choice, right? And so again, where, where are you going to place the emphasis? Because you, you're going to bring forth more of where you place the emphasis. What I also find really, really interesting um, is not only like that you can calm you down in certain situations like the traffic and get it accepted or um, maybe build a resistance or anything like that, but really distinguish between um, two kinds of problems. So one uh, that you're not able to change, basically the traffic, the weather, something like that, or on the other hand, problems which you can change, um, not only your mental response, but actually change, I don't know, your, your job situation, um, your your um, arguments with a wife or anything like that might be able to change. But when I then sometimes hear people really contemplating, for example, here in Hong Kong, about the weather is too, too warm or too humid, like, why are you doing this to yourself? That's not going to help. It's just like making you and yourself and everybody around you in a bad mood. Bingo. Yep. So this is something sometimes really, really hurts me when people are contemplating about things they really cannot change and then expecting other people to maybe join them in their um, dwelling about those problems. That is, that is perfect. That is just perfect. And it also speaks to that contagion effect, I mean, is very contagious people's moods and we're energy beings and we emit energy. Now, we can do that for, for positive or negative, that's for sure, if we really think about it. Um, we could probably think of, you know, either very positive words that could be said or very negative words or actions that could be taken. That, wow, it, it's going to have a visible effect on people around us, right? Yeah. So yeah. that commiseration, although it is, uh, 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 seems part and parcel like human behavior and all, you know, you can be an instrument of change. You can, just just the one person can make an enormous effect on people around just with energy and mood and how you respond to things. It, yeah, I think you, you nailed it right there with, with what you're seeing. It's even right there with Hong Kong weather, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Then um, I, I would actually like to know a bit, um, you put a lot of really, really a lot of emphasis work um, in educating people about um, how they can change and how they're able to um, see their, their um, skills and maybe be courageous enough to pursue them. But like, what is, what is your reason behind um, your passion to pursue this um, in the long term? And what helped you to really persist this over, what I said, 15 years already? What is maybe the reason um, behind uh, why you're all doing this, actually? It's, it's a really good point. And I, I think um, it, as I look back to, you know, my childhood and then early adulthood and now where I am now, because I'm, I'm much older now, hopefully wiser, let's, let's, let's pray, uh, but um, in any case, you know, just learning, um, you know, that my skills are such that maybe it's a bit of how I came into the world. Maybe it's gifts, latent gifts that I had that came forth. But, like, these are our skills, and this is what um, is gratifying to me and, and gratifying to us 
in our work is that yes yes we're getting paid for what we do that yeah i mean you we need to get paid those stuff they need to get paid you gotta pay your bills etc and be able to do things you want to do um but um kind of the, the the charge or the gratification for us is in being able to use a talent that we have um uh, whether it's being compassionate, encouraging, um, skillful in evaluating what a problem is, and then helping and seeing a person change. Now, not all people change, not at all. Uh, and we see that, and we have to be able to, you know, accept and tolerate that, wish them well, but know that, you know, you're just not going to be able to help or heal everyone. But those that we really see that with, and again, I mean, executives that you would, you would just not believe have altered, or cancer patients that have shifted, or others, it it is beyond gratifying. Like I had this, the senior vice president in a in an, a worldwide organization, and he wanted to do some coaching and you know all of these things. Delighted, delighted, great guy, and all of these things. Well. Two things happened with him that later were very positive. That on the front end, he came to me and said, look, Dennis, I've got to alter something. I'm overwhelmed with all the stress of work. I don't know what to do. You know, I said, well, when have you ever taken a vacation? Oh, God, I've got five years of vacation stored up, and I'm having uh, uh, heart palpitations and terrible insomnia and all of that. So we started really working on some things together. And he, he learned to set his, you know, cell phone aside first thing in the morning. And he, and he learned to meditate. He learned to kind of sit with his emotions, breathe through whatever he was feeling, um, and slow his pace down a little bit. Well, later on, um, he wanted me to uh, present to a group of 200 of his employees. Now, these employees were very, very uh, nervous, you see, because... He's a senior vice president, and they were going through a big change in their in their in their company. So they were scared that they were going to be told that they're going to be gone and all of these other things. Well, he had already been taking vacation himself. He'd been meditating, and he really he really got aligned with his higher self. He comes out on stage, and he's going to introduce me. And he comes out, and you can I could see the frightened looks on their faces, and. He said to them, first and foremost, I want to thank you for your work. None of you are going anywhere. We're going to do what we need to do to make this right. You can see their faces soften some. And what's more, I want a show of hands. I want you to literally raise your hands if you have vacation time available. And you could see people kind of reluctantly raising their hands at all. But he said, your job will be here when you get back. It is really important that you do self-care because without you, there's no job. There's no organization. We need you, which was so interesting because it really was, he was calling back to what he and I had talked about at the very beginning, which these were words that he and I had discussed. It was like, so-and-so, you're, I mean, if you continue this way, you're not going to be here and you're going to be suffering as you go. Well, he, again, he was able to shift that. And now, you know, here are these permutations I referred to before we got started today. 
these other people are now being affected there and, and some of them literally a billion were, were tearful as he was speaking and i i mean i felt it myself i was like he's really saying this right so those those sort of things are just they're, they're so powerful so the, these really um, fuel you and pursuing it further and seeing those those um, successes, basically. Yes, it, it really does, and that and that reinforces in me that oh yes, I am doing what I'm called to do. What what my talents are, you know. It, it turns out I'm I'm not very good at uh, at uh, repairing automobiles, plumbing uh, in our home, uh, doing. Uh, surgery, I mean, a little light, but this is what, this is what I'm, I believe I'm supposed to do. Oh. Uh, if I'm not, it's, it's a little late for me to, to realize that, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's not really, but, you know, well, so, and, and, and I do, I get a lot of uh, uh, joy out of it, but, you know, some of it can be quite trying, yes, but a lot of it can be, you know, very joyful. And um, maybe now for um, people who listened up until now already, um, it's like, okay, if I now also want to get more into this, this topic and maybe um, start a couple of first steps, where should I start? What is like, okay, wh wh what is the first step to really um, maybe get more mindful, more motivated, um, just like enjoying the life a bit more? Where do I have to start? You you mentioned so many parts. What is like the essential one um, you would suggest? Yeah, I, just in terms of some steps that I would suggest, one is to begin in the, the immediate moment. So wherever people are in, the, in their listening to your podcast, just to get in touch, just to notice their breathing just as they're sitting listening and to just... Do this a few times, a deep belly breathing. So they're breathing in through their nose, gently filling up their belly like a balloon and letting it dissipate. Just very slowly. This isn't anything we're trying to hurry through. And just in doing that four or five times, you'll start to see a little bit of a shift. Wherever they are located, they can go, um, they can see people locally. Excuse me, or they can go online and um, and, and read more about uh, mindfulness. There are many, many books. My wife and I have a couple of books. One is called Calm, Choosing to Live Mindfully. And another one is a little bit of, it's not meant to be humorous, but it's interesting title, Inspired 365 Days of Mindful Mojo. So that's a one day at a time read that kind of teaches you how to integrate this into everyday life. All right. I put all of these like in then in the show notes um, below the, the episode, so everybody can look them up. Sure, sure. And I, I mean, we're we're available as well. I I recently was working just as me and you are working uh, by Zoom with um, an executive in, in in Belgium, and you know, I've worked with people in you know other places, so we can do it through Zoom. And maybe maybe people just need a little bit. Maybe some people need more than that. But um, you know, they can reach out to me. I'm happy to help. Or if they just want to email me, and I can make suggestions, oh. um, happy to do that. You know, not everybody wants to or can do what we're doing. But um, but there are there are a lot of lot of good books out. And our, our ultimate teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, he he has like. I don't know, 15, 20 books out, but 
that are available too. And, and there's many other really, honestly, great, great uh, uh, mindfulness features available uh, that they, you know, could, could read up on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so basically, um, get at first some some books on the topic, and then maybe also connect with people um, which are yeah going in the same direction or like-minded community, and uh, try to fuel more and more thoughts uh, like that, and start with maybe a couple of first breathing exercises um, at any time, basically. Uh, but I would, at least my opinion, especially suggest also don't forget the morning because that seems to me really, really important. That that is really that is a key thing is is the morning because that's the foundation of the day, and research has shown that as the day goes on, willpower wanes, willpower goes down. So you're better off if you can build it. It's nothing wrong with meditating in the evening, but. Um, just know the willpower is not as strong then, whereas in the morning it's a little better. If you're able to meditate in the morning or get centered or do some gratitude first thing in the morning, you have uh, used the power that you have, which is in the present moment, to alter really how you're going to experience the day so that you can be your best self. But there's so many different things that we do, you know, like in our work we do a number of uh, other mind-body practices like body tapping and, and a little bit of yoga, and we do different things too. But ultimately, it's it's working with your mind. It's how the antics, the antics of your body are really something else, right? And being able to notice, gosh, I'm so harsh with myself, or I'm just always in such a state of fear. Let me see how I can try a new response. Now, there's one one other quick thing that I want to tell you, and that is to change a habit. There's a great way to start to do it. And this was some research by a, a researcher at Stanford named E.J. Fogg, uh, F-O-G-G. And this researcher found uh, founded a concept called tiny habits. Um, and with tiny habits, you just add one little tiny habit to an established habit that you already have. For instance, every time you go to brush your teeth, before you brush your teeth, you know, you look in the mirror and you say something affirmative toward yourself. Or you're having your cup of coffee. When the coffee is brewing, you sit quietly for a minute and meditate. Just a minute. Yeah. Before you get into the shower, you want to improve your physicality. So you do you know, some push-ups before you get in. So you're just adding a tiny, I know it sounds weird, but yeah, yeah uh, just add a tiny habit of something that, you know, you're going to take a shower every day or you're going to brush your teeth every day or you're going to have coffee every day. So something you're going to do anyway, you're just going to build that in. And then pretty soon that becomes a way of life, another habit. That's, that's something that. interesting and super easy to do to like really just you, you establish and you, you have already like so many habits, which you do obviously every day and just like one, one minute additionally. Um, yeah, like super, super easy to do. It's really nothing. There's so much I can say. I know we're getting at the end, but there's an interesting Zen Cohen that says, if you're too busy to meditate for 20 minutes, you need to meditate for an hour. It's, you know, it's, it's a paradox, 
but it's just really interesting. Like, who doesn't have one minute? And I, I've even kidded with it. Like, now let me get this straight. You literally don't have 15 minutes anymore. And people are very convincing. Uh, doing their, no, I really don't. They do. They do. But it's, it's, it's choices. So but maybe setting a, a positive intentionality about what you want to do to move forward. But the last thing I'll say is that it's not too late. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter your age or any of these these things, these barriers we put on ourselves, it is not too late. You can alter, and today is a new day. This is a new moment. But I also see that, I guess, some would say, yeah, okay, if I do this, then one minute, it wouldn't even help. So why should I even try to do it? Why should I even bother adjusting my routine for like a minute? Well, we know that if you don't do that, what you're doing isn't going to work. We know that just based on what the person probably said. Yeah. Um, so we have to build slowly because if you if you don't, I think for anybody listening, you can think of times where you really went to change something about yourself, like okay, I'm going to stop overeating sugar or you know whatever. Uh, and so you go from eating a ton of sugar one day to the next day, like I'm not eating any sugar now, and you go like two days, and you're like okay, I'm ready to murder somebody down, right? So, so like, you're, you're, so, you're so crazed with, with, with the way you did it, rather than say, like, you know what? Ooh, I'm, all right, right. So after dinner, I'm going to eliminate, you know, the ice cream or whatever I'm having it after dinner or something like that. Like, you start small, but you have a big vision of what you want, but you start with small steps, and you just build step by step. So then, like, Man, I went a week without eating ice cream at my guys. I feel like I need a trophy, you know. But then maybe then then you start to add it into other things. Like, yeah, you know, I really don't need the stuff in the afternoon either. You know, and you start you you can encourage yourself, you can reinforce yourself instead of like sabotaging by trying trying to do some crazy thing. Like I would never tell somebody that's listening. Sit down and meditate twice a day. If they've never meditated, I'd say, hang on, let's let's start real slow. Let's just do like five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. Just see what that's like. Just play with that. And let them get wedded to it instead of, you know, setting them up for failures. Like, oh, my gosh, I could, you know, I only went three minutes, and I just said, heck with it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Right? So true. And also to, to the uh, mini habits building, um, I think also in in the uh, last podcast with Alexander Hein, he also mentioned many, many things like building small, really small, tiny habits. And um, he had like huge, um, not like studies, but experiences with um, people he was coaching that really were um, changing their lives over a span, obviously, of like five to 10 years. But there's it was like huge, huge differences. And that is always super, super interesting to see and listen to because I think what would at least like usually humans are driving for or strive for is like the short-term benefit, what they usually don't see with, for example, meditation. But I think that's like so important to maybe try to show or at least the, the benefits on long-term, try to show them that it really does matter, those tiny things every day. And um, therefore, really thank you that you brought this up again. It's like just really a minute or five minutes a day 
can make a huge difference. Probably not in a week, probably not in a month, but in a year you might already see like a difference and then it just like accumulates further and further. And after five years, you're really happy you started today. Well, well put. And honestly, I could, I've been doing what I've been doing a long time in terms of personal work. And seriously, and people that know me, um, uh, I started when I'm 17, I'm, I'm 60 now. So, I mean, in thinking about that length of time that I've done this, I shudder at the thought of if I had not meditated all that time. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I probably would have been a mass murderer or something like that, but but I probably would have been, you know, unskillful in various ways. And I mean, I have been unskillful where I'm, I'm human, but I mean, gosh, if I had not meditated, oh gosh, I, I can only, you know, imagine, you know, some of the worst mistakes I would have made, all of that, right? So you're right, it does, it adds up over time, it really does. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing your opinion about this as well, because that's, I think, really, really good to see the um, actual benefit from, from people. Um, and maybe then uh, what I personally always like to see or to hear is, um, do you have maybe a sentence or a phrase which you keep in mind or maybe repeating what quite had a huge impact on um, your mindset or the way you do things. Yes, uh, in, in this I use uh, uh, personally and I use it with, with clients. And it's a very simple sentence that uh, was told to me a long time ago and I received it. And it, it, it's really a, a, a bit of a spiritual sentence. And, it's, and it says that in any situation there are the facts of a quote-unquote quote-unquote fact, in any situation there are the facts, but then there is the truth. In any situation there are the facts, but then there are the truth. Here is the truth. The truth is your power and your truth within you, meaning that the fact is, the quote-unquote fact is that you, you know, have this job situation, or that you have cancer, or that you know, you're really struggling with this addiction or whatever. Those are the facts, so to speak. But a way to be able to transcend that is with the truth. So your spiritual self within you, not, not your skull brain. Skull brain's fine. We want to use it. But it's really getting aligned with your heart and with your gut. You know, like below the neck, your truth, that inner wisdom, that wise man, that wise woman within and being able to align with that, that's the truth that can really override the quote-unquote facts, meaning that if you get with this energy, you can do a lot to overcome any circumstance that you're in, right? So that, that would be my, that, that's had the biggest effect on me. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and maybe then uh, another question um, is how do you, uh, maybe uh, personally grow. So in a sense of like, okay, when do you actually feel that, um, oh, I, I experience something new or I develop myself further? When do you have that? Uh, for, for me personally? Yeah. Or, or for the viewers? No, for you personally. Oh, right, right. No, I, I um, th there are ways in which, you know, I, I do stretch myself because, 
I, like anybody, can get into a comfort zone. So, you know, I am a, a professional speaker, and, and so, you know, I do speak to organizations and conferences and all of that, and, but, you know, I, I still have to stretch myself to get up there and do that. So, you know, I've, I've done it. I've done corporate training earlier in my life and all, but I've risen, you know, to a point where I'm doing it in front of a lot more people and you can feel like a lot more is at stake, right? And so being able to stretch myself out there to work through my own, uh, you know, nervousness about doing it, the implications of it and all of this, uh, you know, these are ways to stretch myself or, or just with other skills I learned along the way. I, I know that I have to go um, with whatever I'm doing new, uh, Julian, I have to be aware of cognitive dissonance that most people will go through with that new skill. You know that I can tell the way you're responding. Yeah. You gotta go through this period of discomfort. It's not gonna feel right. You're like, no, I, I, I don't get up on a stage. Am I crazy? I, I'm too nervous. I sit in a, I sit in the audience. I'm, a, you know, really good down here. Um, or, you know, you decide to, you know, change your eating habits, exercise. You know, you're going to be practice patience, whatever it is. Some parties like, no, no, no. What are you doing? Are you crazy? You're, you're not patient. You're totally impatient. Act that way. You know. <laughs> uh, so we got to, you know, we got to sit through that period of, of discomfort. Yeah. Then, oh gosh, then, then there's the fruit, right? There's the good stuff at the end of that. Yeah, for me it was um, already like really putting the the podcast out there and like basically starting it to call it officially a podcast instead of yeah just like with a friend talking and maybe recording it. Um, so this and then basically stating it as my own product or work and putting it mm -hmm. out there in the internet. Um, that was. I think in many opinions, not really necessary, but for me to personally grow, it was such an important step to, um, to from, from basically keeping it from a personal thing and to making it something professional, trying to make something professional is, is a huge other level. And uh -huh. therefore, um, I think that's, that also brought me then out of my comfort zone to help me to, to personally grow. I see that, and that was very powerful, and that is terribly courageous, and I, I can relate to it because you know you're not you know, nothing wrong with building a car, not at all. But just to draw an analogy, if if somebody has a, a product that you are part of that they don't know, I mean they know this dealer or whatever or this type of car, but they they don't know that you had a part in it, that you doing your podcast and getting out there. Man, you're putting yourself on the line, aren't you? Because it's like you are your product. You're, you're sitting out there, and I mean, it's it's a. Uh, and I would say for our work too. I mean, it's risky. You don't know how people. Most people are going to respond favorably, but you know, I mean, people can do all kind of things, you know, and say things and take pot shots and all that. And I, I would think with you, probably not, given your demeanor and intentionality, but. But still, it's a risk, isn't it? You had to go through that. Yeah, but I obviously see already the, the benefits I get. I mean, the, the podcast with you, the last episodes, that was already like really, um, for me, cool personalities to, to work with and to have me on my podcast. And therefore, it's 
already I, I couldn't have imagined um, so many um, people also listening to it. I think I've already like more, um, about 300 downloads in two months that I've never imagined um, awesome. this period of time. And so therefore, um, this short, courageous moment of actually pressing the button and uh, putting it online gave me already so many benefits and positive moments I had uh, through this. I think also built more and more skills through, for example, interviewing um, or just like um, communication with people. And that's something I really uh, am proud of that I made this small step of putting it online. And if somebody has like an idea or something they're not sure about, just really put it online and see what happens. And at least I had only positive experience with this. Um, So I can really, um, yeah, give that to the others. No, and I I would think that um, you're going to see exponential growth because just experiencing you and our connection and just seeing your uh, personality and demeanor and just, I just, I mean, I work with people all the time, you know, so I can just sort of see how you are and therefore, you know, I, gosh, you already have, yeah, these 300 downloads, but I mean, I don't know. I predict what, how long would I predict? I don't know. In a year you'll look back and go, Oh my gosh, I was thinking 300 downloads was great. I've got 10,000 downloads. I predicted that for you. All right. All right. 10,000. I'm envisioning that for you, my friend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. Well, th- thank you for the for the really nice prediction. Uh, I I will obviously try to even uh, uh, oversee it or exceed it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and maybe then, uh, as uh, one of the uh, last questions, which I'm quite interested in because of making the the name the ambitious slug, what do you um, connect with this, and maybe does it relate to you as well? And like, what is your notion of it? Yeah, I think, hmm, you know, thinking about it just a little bit, it might be like um, mindful performance or mindful mojo, becoming becoming and being your best and highest self. Maybe something like that, right? Because I think anybody can relate to what we're talking about in some form or fashion. And uh, looking at their mindful performance, I would say, uh, something like that. Um, yeah, I would say like high performance, um, quieting, uh, high performance, quieting the negative to, to accentuate the positive. I mean, there's maybe different ways to say it. I have to think about that a little bit more, you know, for your notes, right? You know, my wife, who is the creative one in the relationship, is not here right now. She she, she can I mean, she can spit out these titles <laughs> like she's like a creative machine, you know, right? As we say, I married up. I married up. Have you ever heard that expression? Yes, I married up. <laughs> I'm joking a little bit, but not really. So, but in any case, yeah, the creativity part of it, yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on the creative part. <laughs> still growing. <laughs> I, I feel in this sense it's also maybe not my major part. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, so um, I think 
think that that's already more than an hour which in which we talked and it's just flew the time flew away and i really really enjoy talking more to you about this topic um but i guess at some point we have to to cut at least this podcast here um and therefore it's it's really first to know for for all the, the listeners uh, where can they reach you and in what way do you maybe want to uh, help them in a sense? Sure. Um, well, they, they, they can reach me in, in various ways. Um, one is uh, my email if people want to just reach out that way. And again, if they just have a question or, I mean, if they want coaching, that's great too, or, or some mindfulness uh, training. Yeah, that's through Dennis, and that's with two N's, D-E-N-N-I-S. And it's path to best, Dennis at path to best self.com. So it's P A T H P O P E S T S E L F dot com. I guess I just put it in the show notes. That might be easier than. Yeah, yeah, right, right. They, they can also look at, at the, the TEDx talk we did. That may be another way to connect. That gives some other uh, strategies. Yeah. And, and that particular one is called Diffusing Stress with Mindful Mojo. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. If you just want to reach out that way, that'd be great. All right. I cannot be more grateful for you being on, on my podcast. And really, so it was so much fun to, to talk with you because I saw really in the, the sense we kind of have this similar mindset and I really enjoy talking to you. Oh, it's my um, pleasure. Thank you, Julian, for, for having me, and I, and I hope in, in some way it helps, helps you, but it helps the listeners, of course. It definitely will. I mean, that was so much, so much, so many valuable points you mentioned in such a short part time. Yeah. Um, I guess m- many have to maybe listen to it a second time to really grasp everything, um, but it was yeah, so so much good stuff in there. Thank you so so much. Well, you're welcome, my friend. Anytime. That is that is really amazing. I'm really grateful for this. Thank you. Thank you. All the best, and and we'll we'll talk again soon. Yes, hopefully. I'm I'm I would be really looking forward to this. Absolutely. Well, you and your viewers have a great day. Oh yeah, <laughs> night. But you have a night great- over there. That's right. <laughs> well, enjoy, my friend. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Bye.